Welcome to Ticket by Tidbits, where we share tips, advice and insights from event organisers for event organisers. I'm your host, Lisa Carson. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. In this episode, we talk to Dawn Robinette. Dawn is a communications marketing expert with deep roots in public relations, marketing and promotions, as well as media, community and government relations. She is involved in strategy development and campaign management for a wide range of clients and has managed local and national campaigns, including overseeing public relations efforts for all national and regional events, sponsorships and promotions for General Motors. This included working with NASCAR, the NFL, the NCAA, the PGA, MLB, the Olympic Torch Relay and Cirque du Soleil. Dawn's recent projects have included event management and marketing for San Antonio's Day of the Dead events, as well as her current project, Old West Christmas Light Fest, for which she has won a number of awards for the festival's marketing, social media and PR campaigns. In the episode, we talk about Dawn's experience working with General Motors. She also shares strategic and logistical details for her current project with Old West Christmas Light Fest, where Dawn manages the dual roles of event manager and event promoter in a small team. Dawn is an advocate for the customer experience and how vital it is to keep that front of mind when planning, promoting and executing an event experience. She's always looking for new ways to engage customers and shares some tactics and strategies around this. Dawn shares advice on maximising marketing spend and where you can get the most value for your efforts, particularly if you have limited resources. She gives some great insight around social media engagement, marketing and the use of influencers in your event marketing. I hope you enjoy listening to my chat with Dawn. Here it is. Hi, Dawn. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Terrific. Thank you so much, Lisa. So to give people a bit more of an understanding of your background and experience, can you tell us about your background working in events and marketing? Yes, I have a primarily public relations background that thanks to an opportunity with General Motors, I moved into more of event management and event promotion. And so I had the opportunity to work across the country with their events, sponsorships and promotions. And that ranged everything from being the official vehicle of the Dallas Cowboys, State Fair of Texas, what we would be activating say, around the Olympics or with the Oscars. It was pretty wide-ranging, and since that time, I've been focused in Texas and what we do here um, with a variety of events in south-central Texas. Can you share a bit about the scale and some of the events that you've worked with, uh, including the San Antonio Day of the Dead? Yes. uh, Day of the Dead San Antonio was an inaugural year this year, brand-new event celebrating the Mexican holiday Dia de Muertos, and it's a growing event here in San Antonio, and it's a growing cultural tradition. Many people relate it back to the popularity of Disney's Coco, but even in Mexico, it has has become, Coco really reignited the passion for that holiday, and so Mexico City now has a parade that has 250,000 people who turn out to celebrate the holiday, and we're replicating that here in San Antonio. We had our first ever river parade for um, Day of the Dead, and a three day festival. We had 40,000 people out for the river parade and we hosted 30,000 people for the festival. Wow. I saw some pictures from it. It looked great. It looked really exciting. (laughs) It was terrific. And we're already planning for 2020. Nice. Nice. So you also run at Tale to Tell Communications and have extensive experience in PR and marketing, working for lots of different big name brands. So you mentioned General Motors. I think you also worked with NASCAR and the NFL, PGA. Yes. uh, Through General Motors, I had the opportunity to work with the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. And across that, we also worked with the Olympics because Chevrolet was the official vehicle there for some time and smaller events as well. And when I say small, most people wouldn't think that the State Fair of Texas is small, but it is is a, a smaller entity when you look at it from a national scale. And everything from that to here locally in San Antonio, had the opportunity to work with people on Espanol and an event that they wanted to do called Festival People on Espanol. Women in the World expanded to do an event here in Texas, so we had it here in San Antonio. And smaller event activations here in the Texas market versus some of the national activations I've done. So let's talk a little bit about your current project, uh, your, your baby of the moment, which is the Old West Christmas Light Fest. 
It's an established event and it's the second year being held at a new location at Enchanted Springs Ranch, which is near San Antonio, uh, which looks like an awesome venue. It looks like like an old Western movie set. I love it. It does look like a Western movie set. And matter of fact, we have had a number of videos and commercials that have filmed out there. Um, The ranch itself, the Old West set, is that. It is not authentic, but we have 40 buildings that have been recreated to look like an Old West town. And so you see everything from a post office and a jail to a trading post. And of course, we have two different saloons and a church. And when you were walking out there, you feel as if you've been transported to the Old West. And for Christmas, we turn that into everything that you can imagine from a holiday experience. And so the Old West town, mind you, the Old West didn't have the electricity that we have these days. So we blanket everything in lights and turn it into just holiday magic. It's an opportunity for families to come out, spend an evening. We have everything from old-time games to laser tag, um, which is a new activity we've added this year. We have a synchronized light show we've added this year, which is synchronized to music, and we have a fabulous playlist that I think everyone's going to love. Our designer actually ended up on Good Morning America and on Fallon last year because he has a knack at picking the right songs to go viral. So we look forward to everyone finding us online and then coming out to to see us this year. What we have evolved to from just a drive-through experience where you could come out, be in your car and drive through the lights, which is wonderful and terrific. But we wanted to create something more, and we've been at the ranch now for two years. This is our our second year at Enchanted Springs Ranch, and Bernie is located just outside of San Antonio, but we're in the hill country, which is naturally beautiful, and so... I swear that the lights are brighter there because you don't, you're not competing with um, the big city. And so you can actually see the stars. We have families who sit around the campfire and making s'mores and drinking hot chocolate. And so while we have the fun modern elements, there's also that time to just connect and have fun and get really messy with melted chocolate and marshmallows. Nice. So how long has the event been running? This will be our sixth year and we've evolved a bit each year year as the event has grown. And quite frankly, as we have watched our attendees, we've really tweaked our experience to make it better for them. We, we really look at it that way and not just rolling out the same event year after year. So it's, it's grown and so it's, it's, it's like a light show and then it's got, you know, additional add-on activities. I know you've got, you mentioned uh, laser tag. There's also an escape room and Uh, Cookie decorating, I think it was? Cookie decorating, yes. And so what we saw last year when we um, switched to this ranch and the ability to have so much space, I mean, the ranch itself is 82 acres. The Old West Town is 40 buildings. And so rather than just look at it of we're going to have people walk through the main street of this Old West Town, we've activated those buildings so people have the opportunity to come in and explore and do different things there. You do have a, a saloon where Santa is up on stage meeting and greeting everyone. We have music in another saloon. Um, But what we chose to do was create activities that people could engage with and spend time with us on site. So cookie decorating is set up in one of our buildings and it's only on certain evenings, but it's one of the things that we've looked to do to really differentiate ourselves and target niches within our market. When we're looking at what our data shows, we know we have a high percentage of female buyers who are are generating our ticket sales. And we'd like to say that it's mom who's deciding where the the family is going to go and spend their time for the holidays. But what we saw last year, we had people who would come out with their families and come out separately either for a date night or a girls' night. And so we wanted to do something that would allow them more of an experience. And with the cookie decorating, it's just an opportunity to come out. We have, it's a short class, but you get to go home with the recipe and all the skills you need to recreate those. And you get to take home cookies. But you get to do it with your friends, a glass of wine, enjoy the lights before or after. We noticed last year that we had incredible sticking power. People weren't just coming out, spending 15 or 20 minutes watching the displays. 
they were staying with us all evening. They were coming out and enjoying the campfire. We have food trucks so they can make a whole evening of it. And we had some families who would just sit down and play checkers. We have checker sets out. And so it was really interesting to watch the experience. And our staff spends a lot of time roaming with the crowd to see what is what people are enjoying. And that helps us then change and, and tweak our experiences to grow it even more. So is your role marketing and event management? Are you kind of doing both? Yes. It's interesting because I have been working with the event um, in some capacity from the time that it opened. I actually wrote the first press release about the event back in 2014, and um, it has evolved to three years ago, I really took on more of an operational role. So we have such a small team, and since we're seasonal... I end up spanning things like the ticketing platform and and figuring that out to our ad buys, our public relations, a lot of our consumer engagement and how we're really interacting with everyone on site. So it, it becomes much more than just a press release or the ad that we might buy. I'm sort of hands-on with a number of things because we have such a small team. The event runs from Thanksgiving Day through to Christmas Day. How many attendees are you sort of expecting to see based on previous years? My conservative goal this year, based on feedback and what we expect to see, is thirty to 40,000, but we have the capacity to be able to host as many as 60, and we would love to reach our capacity of 60,000. So with uh, such a big event with lots of moving parts and activities and things going on, where does the planning start for all of this? Can you walk us through some of the key stages of the planning process? Sure. I'd love to say that because we're a holiday event, um, we wrap it up on Christmas night and then we don't think about it again. Uh, But that's not the case. Truly, our team, while we close things out on Christmas night and we have to do some of that immediate post-event that everyone is familiar with, um, we start looking at what worked and what didn't work as early as January. And we start looking at our dates as far as part of it, you know, we are dictated by Thanksgiving to Christmas, but we also know that we have some things that will ebb and flow. What are the school calendars? Because school calendars do dictate when we're going to see the bulk of our families coming out and spending time with us. We look at what events worked, what didn't work, what would we like to grow, what would we like to change. And we even take a look at what we feel worked from a marketing standpoint. What direction do we need to move? In this case, with this year, we took a hard look at our ticketing and how did that work for us and what would be better for us in the future. And so just one of the reasons why we have the opportunity to be working with TicketBud now, we wanted to change our ticketing experience for our guests as well. So we start with that in January and really start looking at what should our displays be, Um, doing an equipment inventory, what sort of budget do we need to have to grow. You know, people always ask how many lights we have. Quite frankly, we quit counting a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and someone even asked how we counted. And my joke is always that we're going to send somebody out into the field and make them count one by one. But frankly, we know what we've purchased. um, And so we can go through and and count it that way. But we also, we, we quit noticing all of that. So we say that we're over three million. I'm not certain that we've we've hit the four million mark yet or not. Um, perhaps if someone ends up on the naughty list year, this year, that will be their punishment <laughs> is to, to physically count all of the lights. But we do that in the spring and really start figuring out at the The venue is a private event venue, so it's not that we're hosting other events through the year. Christmas Light Fest is really the biggest time that we have people at Enchanted Springs Ranch, but they are hosting corporate trainings, weddings, and corporate events throughout the year. So um, we work with them as far as what else we need to be doing from an infrastructure standpoint. Is there anything that we want to add or or change or upgrade in the Old West? Uh, This past year, we actually, because of our location, we had the opportunity, we added fireworks sales for the 4th of July. And so this year, while we will be closing down Christmas lights on the 25th, we will start selling fireworks immediately and we'll have True Texas fireworks up through New Year's Day. So we're always looking at what else we can add 
mad. Um, and part of that is the result of people asked, well, what else, what else can you do here at the ranch? And we really hadn't thought about it, but we've started adding more and more activities throughout the year where people can engage with the ranch. Oh, that's really exciting. So there's lots of different possibilities of things you can do there. Yes. So mm-hmm. I love that. So how do you break things down in terms of project management side of things? Because obviously you, you do that in the review process, you're doing the planning over the year. I guess what are some of the key things, how you break it up? Uh, key things for us as far as breaking it up, like I said, we, we'll use our spring time frame as when we're looking at what worked, what didn't work, what do we know we want to tweak. Um, and we look at everything from our staffing and the all of our equipment on site, our timeline of things, you know. Unfortunately, thanks to Texas heat, we can't have all of our displays out through the summer. There, just it wouldn't do, wouldn't be great for our equipment. Maybe melted so then displays. the timing, yes. And so then the timing becomes well. When should we start setting up? You know, I'll be honest with you. Through the month of November, we are out in literally in the field um, setting up displays practically twenty four seven. We will, we do start on some of that as early as Labor Day and use that fall season to get everything into place because we, we know we have a hard open date of Thanksgiving and we have to have everything ready to roll at that point. So from a, a time frame, we break that out and look at our staffing and our, what we need. And of course, part of this has to be our marketing as well. So as important as everything is on site, what we have chosen to do, we actually do some version of marketing year round. Um, just because we're seasonal doesn't mean that we can go dark on our social media or our website when things are, are wrapped on Christmas Day. We've, when we were doing that, we would see a, a huge loss in engagement. And so in the last couple of seasons, believe it or not, people were still following us and actively engaging with us online through the summer um, and we have a, a hardcore group of Christmas fans who like to hear from us year <laughs> round and so we've maintained those channels and we've seen growth in all of our audiences by doing that so it's been easier for us to ramp up on our true marketing push now because we never lost touch with those people over the the summer okay I was going to ask about sort of the marketing and PR side of things. So you've been recognized for a number of awards for the PR and marketing campaigns for this event. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about the marketing efforts and particularly the social media campaigns? And I believe you use influencers as well. Yes, we've really, you know, from a standpoint of we're a smaller event in a very big market. Um, you know, San Antonio is the seventh largest city in the country. And so finding the right niche and how we could stand out, influencers have been key for us. And finding the influencers, we don't necessarily look at it on just who has the most followers. We look for authentic engagement and people who really get our brand. Um, We don't want someone that we're going to work with just because we're paying them to talk about us. We want someone who gets us and wants to share that with their followers. And so we develop relationships with the influencers that we've worked with and and really keep in touch with them and talk with them about what will work for them. We don't have a cookie cutter approach for, for any of our influencers. And we don't have a cookie cutter approach for our social media either. It really ebbs and flows based on what's working for our audience at, at any time. And we work heavily with our influencers to reach their audiences, but But we don't set a lot of you must do this or you must do that. What we have found is when we've identified the right influencers and we're working with them in partnership, it's much more authentic. The coverage is stronger and we see a greater feedback from their followers than we do if we put that specific box around how they work with us. So we encourage everything from we have people who have strong Instagram following, we have people who are just straight bloggers, but we really work with them to get them on site and have them enjoy the experience and share that. Overall, social media wise for us and our digital has just been huge. We have, a matter of fact, almost no print spend at this point. It's not an avenue that we feel in the print spend that we do have. We're doing primarily because it has a sister digital component to it. So it keeps us online. Um, and we have a, a, a limited TV relationship as well, but we've tracked it and looked, and our audience is really finding us online. So I was going to say, what channels are working best? 
guess, is it broadly across social channels? For us, it's Facebook. As visual as we are, and everyone would automatically, your gut would say that it's Instagram, but we see more of an engagement on our Facebook channel than we do on Instagram. And so, and I think part of that is that, you know, we of course have everything set up from an event standpoint. And we actually, we, we do some boosts in advertising, but what we find is it's usually people who are sharing news coverage of us. So those influencers, when they do a great piece, we share it out and our followers then share it out. And so we see those ripples continue with that. It's why we spent so much time developing our influencer program. What's an example of something that the influencers are sharing? Usually it's part of their experience out there. We have a light tunnel that you drive through. I've lost count on how many videos there are of you know people either in their sunroof or hanging out of their car window as they're driving into the event, um, snapping a shot of that because we don't allow people to walk through the tunnel. We have a separate walkthrough um, tunnel and display area for safety purposes. But that tunnel shot, that experience is a perennial favorite. Um, and we, we tinker with our tunnels every year. Um, but I've said if we ever take them away, we'll probably have people storm the gates and get upset with us because they're so popular. And this year with the, the light show, my bet is that the light show is probably going to be what goes viral out of everything that, that we're doing. But we try to create some of that on site. You know, we want... I mean, it's such a beautiful venue. There's really nowhere that isn't share-worthy from an Instagram standpoint. Um, and we truly encourage everyone to tag us in it so that we have the opportunity to track that and the opportunity to share it and, and know what's out there. And so uh, we all sort of bet going in what's going to be most popular. We know that we will have people taking pictures with our Longhorns because that is we are a working ranch and um, in Texas... Santa can't use reindeer to fly across the state. He uses Santa's holly jolly herd. And um, we do. We have a herd of longhorns. And that was one of our marketing things last year. We, we chose to do a scavenger hunt on site. And we named the Longhorns. We actually did an online contest so that people could tell us what they thought the name should be. And it was really interesting to see. It was one of the most popular posts of the year. Everyone had ideas. A few people were a bit unkind and ended up on Santa's naughty list because <laughs> there were there were comments about taco or oh, no. chalupa. <laughs> and, th- and you cannot eat Santa's holly no, jolly herd. No. That is, is not allowed and will put you on the naughty list. And Absolutely. So we, we have a whole story that goes with that and the kids in looking for, so we created a scavenger hunt and we have wanted posters throughout the town okay. that really go with the Old West theme. So um, you have to find our eight members of the Holly Jolly Herd and you get a prize at the end of that. We had kids who came back time and time again to do that with Santa's Holly Jolly Herd. But we do have, as long as they're not asleep, I will tell you that Longhorns are not nocturnal and at some point during the night they just they they go when they are in their pens but most of the time they think all of our visitors are going to give them treats so they'll come up (laughs) along the fence to say hi to everybody what snacks am I getting exactly they're like oh people I can get food and so (sighs) seeing that engagement and seeing the kids interacting with them is just it's so much fun and so part of our marketing campaign this year if you look at our website or any of our social you'll see Santa with one of our longhorns because that draws people out. It's part of who we are as a a true Texas event. We're doing this at a ranch in the Texas Hill Country, so it's just part of our branding. And yes, the the Holly Jolly Herd is a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're encouraging social engagement at the actual event. Are you inviting people or influencers in before it opens to get some of that content? We actually are not doing that this year. Part of our challenge with a Thanksgiving weekend, we open on a holiday. And so I will tell you that our opening weekend is not our strongest weekend because it's a holiday. Some people immediately eat that turkey and are go into Christmas mode. Other people aren't ready for it. This year with Thanksgiving being later, you know, you've seen everyone is, is bemoaning the fact that the Christmas season is six days shorter. Well, that impacts the number of event nights that we have as well. So I think our Thanksgiving weekend will be bigger than it usually is because people are looking at it but people are also shocked that 
December 1st is actually Thanksgiving weekend this year. And so it throws everything off from a calendar standpoint. I'm already guessing that our two biggest weekends will be the weekend after Thanksgiving when everyone all of a sudden wakes up and realizes, oh my gosh, it really is December and it's time to get out and see Christmas lights. Um, and, and the weekend after that seems to be a weekend that everyone is then in the mode and ready. And so what we've done, we do have some influencers who will be out with us for opening weekend, but many of them aren't available. So we actually customize for that next weekend. We do more of a marketing push post Thanksgiving than we do pre-Thanksgiving because we know the light lovers that we're on their calendar, they're going to come see us on Thanksgiving anyway. Everyone else is going to be in that mode after the Thanksgiving weekend passes. So we we really plan our marketing campaign for that push. And then we go into, we're Thursday through Sunday for our first couple of weeks. And then we go into we're every night. So we do a separate campaign when we're approaching that to get everyone out there for that every night experience. And in terms of posting on social media, how many times a day is that happening? Are things going out? Yeah, you know, we've, like everyone else, you want to know what that magic mix is. And for us, if we post more than one a day, we see engagement drop. Okay. And so we really are careful about that. And in this time, we are only doing two or three a week, depending on what our news is. And a lot of pre-event, we're doing some giveaways and getting people excited about what's coming. And we, during event, we go to every day and we're always looking to share video clips, new pictures. What can we do? Uh, last year, we chose to create a blog, Pony Express from the Old West, because we wanted to be able to share some of our story directly that way. We're not worried about, yes, it helps from an SEO standpoint on our website, but it also allowed us to tell our story directly in a longer form. So we're sharing that out through social. And then we see people sharing our blog that way because we have great pictures or something fun. That's how we introduced uh, Santa's Holly Jolly Herd last year and announced who, you know, the winning names. And so it really has helped that keep people going back to our website, not just on our social, but we, we see that whole cycle. And so we're busy right now doing all of our new content for the blog for this year. We're going to go ahead and pre-populate it, but we only share it at certain times through our social media. So we know that's when the, the traffic will then spike back to the website. What do you get the most, if, you, if someone's got like limited time to do promotion and they are sort of organizing event and doing lots of promotion as well, where do you think people are going to get the most value for their effort? Definitely social. Definitely. You know, you know, there's an aspect to digital spend, but I really feel that so it, it, for everyone who says that social is dying, that people are getting off of Facebook, or getting off of Instagram or whatever, and there you can't keep up with what the next new channel is, that's still your highest direct way to reach your audience, at least for us. For what we're doing, a family event, a holiday event, you know, we're very much general market. I could say we have the niche where, like I said, we go after moms who do most of the family planning. But we, everyone can come out. We usually will see kids parents and grandparents coming out at the same time. So, you know, multi-generation. For us to get all of those eyeballs, social is really the only way you can cut across that and, and better target. And so that's been a huge part of our strategy. And especially in a short time frame, you know, there's no better way to, to reach people in a short time frame than, than going heavy on a social aspect. So you're talking about paid social promotion as well as engagement on different platforms. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, unfortunately, I think some people go straight for ads without finding that voice and creating that brand for themselves on their social channel. I'm not a believer. I know there are people who will go and buy followers. We, we've never yeah. you know, done that. That's not what you want. You want people to find you authentically. And it takes some time to really build that audience. But if you've got the right content, they find you. 
And so for us, the really what we've looked at from the beginning has been true content marketing and going from that, telling what our story is, branding us strongly, giving our event a certain voice and, and finding the right channels that really play that voice up. And so, you know, like I told you, we were, were active through the summer. I can tell you anytime we post something, a joke about Texas or anything that, that puts Texas above anyone else, it will go nuts. I mean, you know, you, you here in Texas, it is something that plays well to that audience. And and we call ourselves a true Texas Christmas event. So it's not off brand for us to be promoting Texas at the same time, you know, that we're doing all that. And I think that's part of it. If you really want to attract the right audience, you have to know your brand and push the content that's going to work to gain that audience. What about, uh, you mentioned doing video. What sort of video is, is it just like showing images of what the experience is? Have you done more professional videos? No, you know, honestly, we haven't done professional it, anymore. Everyone can be a videographer if you've got that camera, you know, you're, you've got your, your phone in your hand. And so it's those short little clips that give people that feel. It's also, we live in an age now where everyone has a short attention span. So if we were to do a long form video, I guarantee you people would click out of it at some point unless there was a great reward at the end of that. And so we really do the, the fun, short things that illustrate what you can do out at the event. So we've had videos of the Holly Jolly Herd and videos of the tunnel. And, you know, this year with the light show that we're doing, we're going to end up doing a, a ton of little clips of that. The light show itself is actually 30 minutes long. And so... I could post that whole thing online. I seriously doubt anyone's going to watch the whole thing, but we will be posting specific songs from the show. And with that, because I think people will will pay attention to one song, but they're not going to pay attention beyond that. Yes. Yeah. So can you talk about how you identify and target those key audiences? Have you clearly defined different audiences and then a broader audience? How does that work? Well, for us, you know, part of it is... You know, we've looked at our data. With that, it's not just who our buyers are, it's who's following us online. Um, and then we spend a lot of time looking at who's coming through the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, we can tell you that in average, you know, when a vehicle comes in, you're probably coming out with four members of your family. You know, we, and we know the amount of time that they're spending on site. A lot of that is just our staff paying attention to what's going on. We pay attention to the zip codes of our buyers and where they are, and we use that then. Who were we missing and what should we be doing from an ad targeting standpoint to grow? Should we expand beyond that? And we're going to be doing more of that this year as we're looking at things. That also impacts who we look at from a social, uh, from an influencer standpoint. You know, we have influencers who have different followings within our market, say the south side of San Antonio versus the hill country. And so we then target our influencers to match where we know either we have an audience or perhaps we're missing an audience and we need to work with them to grow that niche. And so we'll target them specifically. Okay. I think I read that you have an Instagram room. Yes. New for this year, uh, we are adding the Candyland Instagram. And so when you step into one of our buildings, you are stepping into Candyland. And everyone has asked, you know, when we talk about branding the the on-site experience and getting people to share. You know, I had someone say to me, well, does that mean that your logo is everywhere in the Instagram room? And it's not because frankly, I know as a consumer, if I'm coming in and I want to take that share worthy photo, I don't want the event logo in the middle of me and my family in Candyland. It's hard at times as a marketer to pass up that opportunity. But once again, it goes back to authenticity. And so I would rather that someone captures that great shot and tags us, uses our hashtag and shares that out, than that ultimately they take the picture, but they crop out my logo anyway. And so, you know... We all know when you look at your event through your guests' eyes, it changes how you perceive everything. So I look at it as in the perfect world, I want A, B, C, D when I'm putting together my event. 
when I flip it and I look at my event from who was coming out on site, you know, the mom with the three kids and, you know, the grandparents and that sort of thing, what can we do to really maximize their experience? Because we want them to come out, have a fabulous time and tell everyone that they know. That may be through social media or that may be at the, you know, school meeting the next day where they say, oh my gosh, we had the most amazing time out at Old West Christmas Light Fest. You really need to go. You know, people forget about that viral aspect that we do talk to people more than just on social media. And we want people to have that positive experience and to share it. So there are times when I have to give up the branding opportunity. You know, I'm not going to have a bunch of candy with the Old West Christmas Light Fest logo in it. But we are. We're looking forward to seeing how everyone enjoys the Instagram room this year. Yeah, I mean, and that's very true as well. It is as a marketer, an instinct to slap your logo on everything. Um, <laughs> but it is there is so much value in just focusing on creating that great customer experience. They will talk about it for you and you can't buy that. No, you know, and so we really, when we look at the experience standpoint, and and I think anyone who does events, when you really think through it, you think through the whole thing. What is it like? What's the ticket buying experience like? You want to know that it's very simple for them to purchase your tickets, do all of that. And we are heavily encouraging online sales. And so we want that to be simple and easy for them because if they have trouble buying tickets, they're probably not going to come out to us. What's the gate experience like? How quickly can we get them in? We know on a busy night, we are going to have a long line of cars. So we staff up to make certain that we are getting everyone into the experience and beyond that, that, you know, that's our, our choke point right there. So we do everything we can to push them in and ease that whole check-in process as well. How easy is parking? You know, how well lit is everything? You know, we want our lights to stand out, but we want everyone to have a good time as well and to feel comfortable when they're out there. We're an 82-acre ranch. Uh, You know, not everyone is smart enough to come out to our fields and not be wearing flip-flops. I have seen that in (laughs) in extreme. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, you know, we joke about the fact we are a working ranch. If you wear flip-flops sooner or later, you may step in something that we did not notice that one of the Longhorns (laughs) left behind. Um, We actually really make certain that that doesn't happen. But you know, we look at everything, um, you know, and I, I always joke, you know, if you walk across your event and you, if you're any good, you are the one who is, oh, I see this piece of trash here and you're picking that up. You're constantly, you know, your eyes look at everything. What is the consumer going to see and how are they going to experience it? And so that impacts your signage and your event flow and, you know, where are we placing the food trucks so that it's really easy for mom to then turn around and get that food over to tables when they are juggling kids in a, you know, a cool winter night. And so we look at all of that as we're planning our layout and the interaction. And I think when you look at things that way, it changes what you might see on paper and think, oh, this is the perfect event layout and this is what we need to do. You really have to walk it with your guest experience in mind. That's definitely true. So you mentioned about ticketing was something that you have changed. I know you, before working with TicketBud, uh, you had experiences with other platforms. Mm-hmm. What were your frustrations that led you to look for an alternative? A lack of customization. You know, not that we have really specialized needs, but we wanted something that we could customize. We could make it more of ours and, and really work with it more ease for our guests and ease for us. You know, frankly, you can, your life can be consumed with the ticketing process when you're doing an event that spans for us this year. It's 19 days and our overall ticket sales will span six weeks time period. If you don't have a great platform, you end up spending a lot of time trying to fix those little glitches and things like that. We wanted something that was going to create a great on-site experience as well. So finding something that really had an interface that was going to work for our check-in and our staff and be simple for them to use on-site. We just didn't have that before. So we're really looking forward to how all that's going to work for us this year. What are some of the features of TicketBud that you think have been helpful? I'm thinking in terms like the multi-day calendar is probably important for you and unlimited ticketing because you've got like lots of different 
ticket programming? Yes. Um, you know, because we are actually, in addition to our general admission tickets, we are also selling the escape room experience online. Our laser tag tickets are online and the cookie decorating. We also um, have been able to work with the platform. We have some hidden things in their group sales. Uh, we will have busloads of people come out. And in the past, we really couldn't do group sales the way we needed to to accommodate those folks. And so really being able to customize all of that and have the experience behind behind everything with TicketBud so that it wasn't just we were looking at this platform and trying to figure out how to make it work for us. We've had TicketBud working with us and hearing what we needed and customizing the platform to really work to fit us versus us trying to be the cookie cutter fitting into what was already there in another platform. So that's been terrific. And we have customized tickets for each of those. So after someone has purchased the ticket, they are getting our event map and specific details on that ticket. If you've purchased an escape room ticket, you are getting specifics about your escape room location and time and what you need to do for that. Same thing with laser tag, same thing for the cookie decorating. So the fact that if someone has purchased all of that, each of their tickets then directly relates to that specific experience is huge for us. We feel like being able to arm the guest with that information before they're on site is going to give them a better experience when they are with us. Obviously, there's communication that they're going to get prior to the event, which you can obviously now target based on what type of ticket they've purchased. Mm -hmm. But then also you've got that data available to keep communicating with them after the event and you know, thank them for coming and tell them potentially about upcoming things you have next year. Yes. And so, and that part of it, you know, I'll be honest, is we are new to the TicketBud platform. It's almost, I don't want to use Candyland again, since we were talking about our Instagram, but I do feel like a kid in Candyland because we have the opportunity to be so much more hands-on and more in communication with our guests than we have in the past and be able to really customize all of that. And so looking at how we're going to be doing that this year and, and post-event and how we're going to communicate with everyone. We're, uh, we're still working through what we think is ideal for that. And so this year will be a test case for us on what we feel is the right amount of communication, what works best for, for our customers. You know, we look at everything that we do and tinker it with it. You know, we don't think we've ever truly hit anything out of the, the ballpark. So, you know, there's always room for improvement. So we're, we're excited to see what we're going to be able to do with it all this year. Oh, with anything like this, it's continuous improvement. It's, you know, because they, because <laughs> people's expectations change and the different types of events that they go to, everyone's always stepping it up. So there's always going to be uh, things you can learn from the last event, new ideas that come up for the next year. So can you talk a little bit about the uh, event day logistics in terms of staffing, communication, the gate setup and management, and then the like ticket scanning when people are arriving? Sure. And so that actually is something, you know, because we know with using the platform for all of the experiences that we have on site, so it's not just the general admission, we actually will have ticketing available at general admission, at escape room, at laser tag, on site. Uh, we also have inflatables, games and activities, we're using it there as well. So, and we've looked at it on what we need for our maximum crowd and to be able to really have a smooth experience. So we know that we'll have different staffing on a Thursday night versus a Saturday night. Saturday nights are always our, our biggest traffic nights. So working through uh, what we needed from an equipment standpoint and a staffing standpoint and training our staff on everything before we open those games. As far as communication on site, we, you know, we go back and forth between walkies and phones. You know, everyone, we, we, we still, we're all on our phones nonstop while we're out there. I sometimes wonder if that's going to take over the walkie-talkie industry because <laughs> you're texting, 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 you know, and, and keep group texts, keep everyone in the loop on, on what is going on. And our entrance is so far from the town because you drive in and you're driving through light displays and our tunnel and past our pond and yes it's gorgeous because the lights all reflect off of the pond uh, nice. you're driving through
through all of that and then you're parking and coming into our event experience. And so before you even walk through the gate that, you know, gets you into the, the town, you've already had an experience with our gate staff, our parking staff. We have directional staff that are out there. So we need to make certain that everybody's on the same page as we are greeting everyone and making certain that their flow into the event is as positive as possible. Looking at the event and like that first touch point is so important I think a lot of sometimes people are very focused on like the event itself but like the minute someone pulls into your car park and gets out their car and interacts with the front gate staff is is their first impression exactly and so you know I always joke that you have to be nice to everyone because you just never know who they know. They probably know someone who knows you and it's going to get back if you're not nice. But if you are that person working at the gate, you really don't understand the impact that you have on that guest. Because if you are not nice, if there is a glitch with the ticketing, if there is some problem and you don't handle it well, you're going to lose that guest. And that guest is probably going to tell a lot of people that they didn't have a great experience. And so I will be honest, we have had people show up at our gate with tickets for other events where they thought they were buying and instead they're with us. And we don't turn them away because we recognize that for whatever reason, they landed in the wrong place we talk with them. We explain it. We have invited them in. We've actually had people turn around and hand us cash to pay for what they know they should have paid for with tickets because we have treated them so well. It's just, it is the bottom line across the board. No matter what we do, we want to make certain that every person who comes out to us has a good time and we're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So we really stress that with all of our staff, you know, that every interaction you have has impact impact. And so we know that there are difficult people. We know that everyone is not always nice, but no matter what they do, you have to have that holiday spirit and that smile. And we have to stay calm and help manage that. Um, Inevitably, we will be judged on it if we're not. Yeah. Plus, you also don't know what people have had going on before they t- before they turn up to your event and some sort of chaos with kids or something like that. So, like, sometimes, and I've worked in customer service before, sometimes people are a bit short. And, yes. And if you're, like, really nice and friendly, it'll register in their brain that I'm maybe being a bit of a... It disarms them. It really does. Yes. And so, you know, when you keep that in mind, and I think in today's... And, and yes, is the minute someone has a negative experience, they're automatically pulling out that phone and putting something on social media. And so... So there isn't any reason for you to have a negative experience when you come for a happy night in holiday lights. And so we really, we work so hard to make certain that that does not happen. And we know, all of us, you know that something can go wrong. You know that no matter what you've planned, there can be a glitch. How you respond to that and how you handle that, that then changes how, you know, the whole that guest is. Yeah. Mm-hmm, it really does. And so when, and we've been honest with people in the past and, you know, we're so sorry. We know this was a problem that we had. Can we do X, Y, Z to work with you? Usually because we are honest and address it. Yeah. They are like, oh, okay. And it completely disarms and changes that. And so we truly, truly stress that with our staff, that no matter what sort of mood or attitude, how grinchy someone may be, we don't ever let ourselves slip into that. That's, that's not our job and it won't help anything. I agree. So what are some of the uh, key challenges you've faced organizing this event? Because I guarantee there's been a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, is even though we're in modern times, the old west town, we've had to change our electrical capacity out there. As you can imagine, when you're plugging in three to four million lights, we have, we've blown a few things. I'm just um, picturing, <laughs> how, like, you know, when you've got the Christmas tree and, the, and there's like one light that's not working yeah. and they all go out. I'm just pitching that on a massive scale. <laughs> You know, and so um, la- we, in addition to the longhorns at the ranch, there are a number of other species, and um, we actually have some endangered Chinese deer who are out there, and we have one who likes to swim in the pond, and routinely, last year, we had to go and plug lights back in, because as he would swim, he would hit 
some light strand and unplug things and that sort of thing. So I'm not certain how many events have to deal with random swimming deer that uh, create electrical issues for you. But yes, you know, so from that standpoint, and we are, we're out in a, in a field, we're out on a ranch. So in the summer, we can have snakes. There are holes and such. We always have to make certain, I mean, we walk the event grounds to make certain that there's no safety hazards, nothing that's going to cause a problem for a stroller, a wheelchair, anything like that. But we are an outdoor event. So, and last year we had a couple of very cold nights. So we end up, we have the contingencies of pulling out heaters and doing that sort of thing because the only time we close is if the weather is truly inclement and it would be unsafe for people to be out there. On cold nights, we tend to have more s'mores and hot chocolate around the campfire than we do on on other nights. And we're Texas. It could be 80 degrees. It could be 20 degrees. You never, and it could be that all in the same evening. So I'm learning this. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we just, and we stress that to everyone that we are outdoors and, and to really enjoy it, you need to be prepared. But, you know, we're also happy to give people a spot around the campfire and hot chocolate to keep them warm. So. I love I love the s'mores. So this is, <laughs> this is a new thing for me. Oh, I, okay. I, I went camping and got introduced to s'mores, and I was like, oh, oh my god, what you've, you've been missing? You've been missing from my life all this time. Uh, so it's just amazing. So I can't wait to do that. <laughs> well, you definitely need to get to come out. There's nothing. There's there's a difference between just doing s'mores and then that campfire thing. And we have you know, it there, it's just fun to be around the campfire with your family and to be doing that, and you see. The kids are just so excited. I'm sure part of the little pyromaniacs are like, oh, I'm getting to burn something over the fire. You know, but it is, it's just a holiday memory that you want to have. And, you know, we, that's, I always talk about that, that what we're doing is helping people make holiday memories. You know, everyone only has so much time at the holidays and there's so many other things that they could be doing. You know, just in San Antonio alone, well, we have SeaWorld Texas. They do a huge light display. I want to say they're more than 7 million lights. Um, Fiesta Texas does lights. And so the zoo does lights. So what is it that is going to help us be different from any of that? And that's where we really have branded ourselves and branded our experience and changed our experience so that we are different from the other, you know, other light shows that are there. You know, from that standpoint, and I think that's the case for any event, what is your differentiator? What's the reason that's going to pull people to come out to see you and we keep that in mind with everything that we do it's really kind of owning a space this is this is what who we are this is why we're different Mm -hmm. okay so what have been some of the most important learnings I think from organizing this event for us I think it's really more of at first we just thought family 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 and the pivot to the fact that there are date nights, girls' nights, that people are coming out. It's not just about the kids. Yeah. When we were talking through things last year and explaining the event to people, you know, I was like, oh, and we have lights and we have games and we have activities. And I, and I said, oh, and we have bars with beer and wine. <laughs> and I had a woman stop and say, wait a minute, you should have said that first. Um, (laughs) This is what you should have led with. (laughs) This is what you should have led with. And so, you know, and and I laugh about that, but it's true. It, It gives the adults part of the experience. It's not just about the kids roaming around in the lights. It's that, yes, while your kids are having fun, mom and dad may be having a glass of wine or a beer and, and enjoying the evening. And you're not going to do that on a drive through light thing, you know. And so changing that up, the fact that we have music that they can listen to. We have vendors on site that you can come out and shop. And we always, you know, we have rotating food trucks because we wanted everyone to have the opportunity to have different holiday flavors. And, uh, you know, yes, in addition to the s'mores, there's cookies and cupcakes and funnel cakes and, you know, and churros. And <laughs> so you can eat your way through the holiday experience as well. But it's part of, of creating that whole feel of I want to come out and have a great evening and do all of this with my family. And so I think when we started, when I look back six years ago, we really were just come out and drive through the lights. People could get out of their car and come visit with Santa, 
but they would take their picture and then leave. And we're so much more than that now. You know, when people ask if, well, can I come out and just stay in my car? I tell them no, because you're missing out on everything. You know, why would you want to just do that when you have the opportunity to get out and enjoy all of these other components that are out there? We happen to have the real Santa, the best Santa ever. I We have a Santa who, when their kids are scared, he gets up and dances with them. I mean, he is so engaging and so fabulous. So you want to be able to do all of that. If you're just coming out in your car and turning around and leaving, what fun is that? As each year of the event, we've had something where we look at it and go, wait a minute, we're missing out on this, or why aren't we doing X? We should be doing Y. And that's part of knowing your event and paying attention to your audience. You know, if it, there's a difference in doing a one-time event versus you want to be that calendar event that people know and plan to attend. And that's really where I feel that we've evolved to. It's not just well, maybe I'll go out and drive through those lights. It. We have people who have been saying, you know, I mean, we had early people as soon as we hit Labor Day, when can we start buying tickets? And I was shocked because I usually think most people don't think about us until Halloween. But those hardcore Christmas fans who we love, um, and I happen to be one of them, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're watching your Hallmark holiday movies um, in the heat of summer, then you're probably someone who wants to come out to our event. Seeing that change and, and really as we, have customized things, uh, that has been huge for us. I think if we were still just a drive through we probably wouldn't be here. No, and you've, you've moved into that space where you are part of someone's family holiday tradition. Yes. And that's a great place to be. So a couple of my traditional questions, which is, do you have any tips or advice for event organizers that you can share? The fact that you really have to remember the attendee experience, you know, everything is so different on paper than in real life. So as event planners, we spend months looking at event layout and equipment and budget and all of that. Everything that you do on that end ultimately leads to what that experience is. But if you're not looking at it from the experience backward, you're going to miss out on something. You can't do it all on the spreadsheets. And so I think really having that opportunity and, and, you know, for me, I will admit I'm an event junkie. You know, I like to go to events. I like to see how people do their ticketing and what's the signage that you use and, you know, how are they organizing their food offerings and that sort of thing. I think if you spent any time in this industry, you can't just go to an event. Yeah, as you can't a, switch it off. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So I, I notice everything and I'll pull out my phone and go, oh, I really like how, you know, they worded that sign or this. And, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. When you really look at all of that, you can't turn it off. And how can you then turn around and incorporate the good into what you're doing? Or when you go to an event and you've had an awful experience, you also then go, wow, I know that I need to change this so that my attendees never experience that. We definitely give that feedback to event organizers. Make sure people understand where to go and how to get there and what to expect. So uh, on a more personal note, is there uh, any advice that you wish you'd been given at the start of your career? Oh, so long ago. You know, really, we always say, you know, you always hear the the phrase, don't sweat the small things. Um, and I think in the big picture of things, we all as event planners, we know what may have gone wrong beforehand. We know what didn't go according to plan. Most of the time, your guests have no idea. So we can get fixated on, oh, but wait, that sign was supposed to be this size and it's not, or we were supposed to have this in this area and now it's not. We get so caught up in that. As long as your event experience is still strong, those little things that don't, that didn't flow as you expected are no reason to stress. And I think that's hard for us to remember when you've spent so long with the perfect plan and then the perfect, and, and that's it. There is no perfect plan. You know, when you're dealing with a live event and live guests and the things that can happen and that force you to be ready to change. And so I think that flexibility is huge. Being ready, ready to pivot and deal with whatever comes up. And I think that's hard at times when you are stuck to the plan. And especially, you know, when you've poured your heart and soul into it for <laughs> all of that time. And if those little things, no one knows about it but you, it's no big deal. And your team probably knows Everything that didn't happen as it was supposed to happen, 
But if your event attendees leave happy, then you've still done your job. Yeah. I think because, you know, event planning usually attracts people who are very organized and who are planners. Uh, And so there's that letting go of you can do all the planning you want. And that's great because you need that for an event to go well and you've got contingency plans and all that sort of thing. But, you know, the goal is actually the experience that people have when they come. And if if that goes off well and if, you know, little details don't happen, you do have to just let go of it and go, no, that was a success. Yes. Or I've learned some things that will put some (laughs) plans in place for next time. Yes. Definitely. Can you tell us about, uh, and it's my last question for you, can you tell us about a great event that you've attended and what you loved about it? Oh my gosh, I'm such an event junkie. That's that's a really hard one. You know, for me, rather than trying to, to tag just one event, what I look for, what do I know about the event beforehand? So what is it, what are my expectations going into it? And then when I'm there, does it match the marketing? How are you selling the event? And then is that what I'm experiencing when I'm there? The best events for me are incredibly well branded throughout an event. It is before the experience, then when you're there. I admit it, I'm a graphic junkie. I like to see the pretty signs and that everything looks like it belongs and and that sort of thing. But I also, I love that full engagement. And communication is so huge. I've been to practically every light event that I've, you know, anything that I could reach. At one point, my son said, please, mommy, don't make me go look at any more <laughs> lights. <laughs> because I, I think that there is something to learn from almost every experience. And I think that there's an opportunity to see different things and figure out how it would incorporate best for you. And so I enjoy going. I also just enjoy events, period. I have that problem since I moved to Austin <laughs> is that uh, there's always something... I'm like, I should have a quiet weekend this weekend and relax. And then there's all these things on. Yes. And I'm like, well, I can't, I'm not sitting in and missing out mm-hmm. on that. So, <laughs> Well, that fear of missing out is huge. And, you know, I think that's part of our job when it comes to marketing. You want your guests to have that, that FOMO because you want it to be that, oh my gosh, well, if I don't go to that event, what am I really missing out on? And so uh, for all of the times when I think I should be sitting on the sofa, I fall into that trap of, well, if I don't go, I'm going to miss out on, you know, X, Y, Z. And so, but as a marketer, I use that FOMO um, to my best ability to make certain that everyone, you know, knows that they have to come out to my event or they will be missing out on things. They will. They'll really regret it. They'll be sad later. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for chatting with me on the podcast today, Dawn. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. And I hope everyone can come visit us at Old West Christmas Light Fest and do some laser tag and escape room and can't wait for everyone to see our light show. I can't wait to come down there and I'm definitely getting my s'mores, uh, but I'm, I'm a mad Christmas fan, so I like to get into it early, so I'll be, I'll be coming down and checking it out. Uh, so Old West Christmas Light Fest opens on Thanksgiving and runs until Christmas Day. You can find out more information about the experience on the event website, which is christmaslightfest.com, and tickets are on sale now through Ticketbud. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, this was Ticketbud Tidbits.